Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. I wanted to talk about today, I wanted to talk a little bit about, or a little bit about, I wanted to talk a lot about wineskins. Um, wineskins, uh, it's, it's, I believe it's something that we've really kind of been touching on, we've been really discussing, because as we're going to see, wineskins uh, describes identity. Um, and that's something that we've definitely been talking about for months now, actually, in different ways. We've been speaking about our identity and how our identity um, needs to be surrendered unto the Lord so that we can inherit a new wineskin. And within that new wineskin, we've, we've mentioned in the past, we've talked about wine and we've hinted on wine, but um, I believe what God is doing in our, in our midst, in our family, is inheriting new wineskin. Um, and that goes back to, to a couple months of messages that we've talked about. And I kind of wanted to bring that together today wanted to talk about that and help us kind of go deeper into that whole concept of identity and taking on these new wineskins. When we think of a wineskin, um, it's not just something that holds wine inside of it. Okay, we, they, in, in the old times, you know, back in the Bible times and all that stuff, they used wineskin and, and that held wine. But a wineskin is more than just something that holds wine. In fact, a wineskin is what determines the difference of us tasting something sweet versus, versus something that reaches to the heart and intoxicates us. And um, there's a big difference because the wineskin in itself is something that matures wine. And that's what we were called into. We were called to not just stay the way we were, live in a, our own identity and, and just keep carrying out life, not really being aware and conscious of, of what God is doing in us and how that transforms us. But all of a sudden now, as we come to the Lord, when, when we accept him and we, as we come closer to him, then he desires for us to inherit something new in our lives, amen? He desires for us to inherit something that can receive what he can give us. And that's his why. Um, so that eventually it can mature as we receive it, and then we can pour something out. That's his intention, not just us kind of just living um, without conscious or without you know, awareness of where we're at and how we're growing in the Lord. So wineskin is, is necessary for that wine to be transformed, for it to mature. And when it, when it becomes fermented, then all of a sudden it's not something that we just enjoy. It's something that transforms us because we begin to think differently. We begin to act differently. All of a sudden, if anybody here has been intoxicated in the past, and I know probably 99% of you guys have, then you know that it causes you to feel even uninhibited. Amen? And that's what God wants from us. But it's the whole idea of being as a child, because isn't, isn't that what a child is? A child is, 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 is uninhibited. They're not, you look at my daughter and she's flailing around the house naked and she doesn't, she's, and 
she's just in joy and she's just in peace and she's just in a place that she has no idea. And she doesn't care how she acts because she knows that mom and dad love her the way they do. You know? And that's what God is calling us to do. God, don't walk around naked in, in Miami, please. Don't God do that. But God is definitely calling us into live this life where we're maturing and what God is giving us is maturing to the point that we become as children. So wineskin deals with our identity. It, it deals with the standard that we live by because all of a sudden when we receive a new wineskin, then all of a sudden everything starts changing in us. The way, we, the way we act, the way we live changes. So wineskin is, I think, very, very vital and important if we're ever going to begin to think or speak about this wine that's poured out. I'm gonna, I want to give you guys just a brief, uh, some examples, some ideas of what we've been talking here about when we're talking about wineskins. Uh, one of the things we've, we've mentioned here, and it's been for a long time now, it's the whole Mary and Martha. You guys, over and over, this is like knocking us over the head. Mary and Martha, right? Martha being the representation of duty, okay, of having to do, of having to work, of having to move. And then all of a sudden, we look at Mary in the story, and, and we see somebody that was just postured at Jesus' feet. We, someone that just wanted to receive from the Lord and just give him honor and just surrender to him. Another uh, representation of old wineskin could be how we function in this church. How many have seen the change in how we're functioning in this church? There's a complete change in how this church is moving. And it's something that's very real. It's happening in the lives of individuals. They, Sunday after, or even week after week, you see people start transforming. And they're inheriting a new wineskin. Actually, last week, when I saw the men that went out to, with Rigo to, to visit another church, walked in, and the moment they walked in, I just, I felt that presence walk in with them. And I just felt, wow, man, there's new wineskin that they're, they're moving in. I felt that. It was, it was powerful. Old wineskin is being engaged. And, and I don't believe that God is asking us just to be engaged. Because we can walk on, in promise and, and, and walk in intention. But unless or until we marry we cannot walk in intimacy. Does that make sense to you guys? God doesn't want old wineskin to be, or God, God doesn't want us to have this old wineskin where we're just engaged, engaged in worship. No, God wants us to become intimate with him in worship. And that's the difference between old wineskin and new wineskin. Don't just come here saying, well, this is, you know, I want to be focused you, you could be focused and you could sing songs, but when it comes from a different place, when it comes as a result of the times that you spent, that you've given to the Lord, all of a sudden, it's not something that you're trying to engage in. It's something that you're married to. Amen? So, and the other thing is we have this kind of mindset of, of how we have to kind of resist. We're trying not to do things that are, aren't pleasing to God. But as we come into new wineskin, you're going to start seeing that it's no longer something that we have to resist anymore. If we only understand that God has actually created us and desires for us to indulge, all our lives we hear, no, you can't do that. From when we're little, you can't do that. Don't do that. And we live our lives trying to avoid to do the wrong thing. 
resisting, resisting. And what happens is all of a sudden our conversations become all about what we need to resist, all the things we have to try to not do anymore. And what God is doing is he's transforming our minds all of a sudden. He's, t- he's telling us, listen, get out of that old mindset that all these standards you're trying to live by, I've given you something greater. In fact, I want you to indulge. That's how you were created. The only problem is that you've been indulging in the wrong thing. He wants us to indulge all of a sudden in him. Because when we indulge, we don't have to worry about resisting anymore. Because we desire him. Because he transforms us. So these are just little uh, examples of what I wanted to present to you before we get into anything else. So that as I'm talking now, as I get into the verses and as we review them and, and we discuss them, you guys have this in the back of your mind and, and even more. I mean, you guys can think of your own old wineskins, your own identities, your own standards for living, your own lifestyles that God starts tugging in your heart as we speak. Amen? This is what I want. So let's turn to Mark 2, verse 22. Mark 2, verse 22, and I'm going to read. It says, uh, I, well, let's, I always do this. I, I have a verse. I write it down, but I actually mean to read more of it. So let's start in verse 18. It says, now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked, Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting but yours are not. And I'll just keep reading. Verse 19, Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and that day they will fast. Now check this. Verse 21, it says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Um, this, is, this is very, uh, very vital to this whole message of wineskins. Why? Because the Pharisees were coming and seeing that these apostles, these disciples of Jesus, were seemed that they weren't following the letter of the law, okay? They, they seemed to be functioning outside what God had asked them to do. So he present, they present something actually that makes sense to them, that they weren't fasting, they weren't, they weren't following protocol. But all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking about wineskins as, as they accuse these disciples and apostles of what, not, what they're not functioning, how they're not functioning right. And he, in essence, tells these Pharisees or these people that approach him, he calls them old wineskins in this little parable that he gives them. Because what you see is Jesus pouring into these disciples and they're feasting, they're having, they're, they're, they're fellowshipping with him, they're receiving from him, okay? And these Pharisees, instead, they come and they accuse them. But he's saying, listen, I can't pour this new wine into old wineskins. I could only pour it into new wineskins. So in essence, he was calling these Pharisees or these people that were approaching him old wineskins. So, you know, the, the thing is this. He, as much as Jesus would have wanted to uh, pour into these Pharisees, as much as he would have wanted to 
uh, indulge and, and, and offer them and give them uh, something that they apparently lived by, the problem is this, is when they were, when they were confronted by the very holiness that they proclaimed to live, they weren't able to recognize the holiness before them. So what does that mean? They, they weren't able to recognize it because the truth is, is that they did not know him. Okay? So what happens is they're functioning out of law, out of duty, okay? Out of having to uh, uh, um, satisfy. But the thing is that they fail to realize that the, that the glory, that the holiness that they proclaim to know, that they pro proclaim to live, was standing right before them and all they had to do was listen. So, so they were confronted with holiness and they did not recognize it. And then he calls them old wineskins. He says, listen, I can't give you this because if I try to give you this, in fact, what's going to happen is I'm going to hurt you more. I'm going to hurt you by trying to give you what I'm offering these new wineskins. Because these are the people that despite all their knowledge or what they might know, in fact, many of them didn't. But despite their lifestyles, okay, despite where they came from, they were willing to listen and receive and there, then now I can pour into that. But if I try to give you what I have, it'll be too much. It'll destroy you. So, so God is telling them, unless you give up your old identity, those things that you proclaim to know or to be or whatever, and you take on this new skin that, that I have for you, then all of a sudden you, you won't be able to receive until you do that. So he was calling them into new wineskin, and they didn't, they didn't see it. So what does that mean? If, if, we're, if what we value is our identity, our wineskin, if that is something that we value, we hold dear, and God is asking to give it up, then all of a sudden we, we find ourselves not having identity at one point when we come to the Lord. We're like, God, you asked me to give up all that I have, all that I, that I hold dear, everything that I, that I know of. I surrender to you, and all of a sudden, where am I? I, have, I, don't, I don't know what to do with myself. He says, that's perfect. That's exactly where I want you. doesn't make any sense. But that's what God is asking of us. Losing our identity, it's the path toward bringing God intended glory, which is being a reflection of him. Um, and this honor, this honor, this is what creates honor. This is what, how um, we are able to honor God. When we come to a place where we, in, we offer him intended glory, how do we do that? How do we offer God the glory that he deserves? Well, if we go back to the beginning of time, to the garden, let's, let's talk about that, Adam and Eve. God, in, God created Adam and Eve and he intended them to function a certain way, okay? And what was that? Being the image and likeness of God. That's what he had. That's, that's what he wanted for us. For us to image forth Christ, for, to image forth God and to be in the likeness or to live in the likeness of Christ. So when we are able to live in that, when we are able to take on what he intended us to live and how he intended us to live, then all of a sudden we can go out to this world and be an image of him. That is the greatest glory we can offer him. That is the, that, that's, there's nothing more that we can offer him greater than that. It's like a parent and their child. When you see your child... Uh, do something great. You take it as if you're, it's your own. That's mine. He represents me or she represents me because they're functioning as intended. When they do the wrong thing, when they're not, when they're living outside of, of what you've shown, of what you instilled in them, then all of a sudden that also reflects on you. 
But when your children are functioning and they're, they're bringing glory to you as a result of all the things that, that you've taught them, then all of a sudden, that's honor to you. You guys understand that? So, so losing our identity is the path toward bringing God intended glory because all of a sudden we take on his identity. We take on his, the wineskin that he's offered us. Um, and a good example of this is, is how we lose our identity is Israel. When you saw how they left the wilderness, when Moses came and, and brought the nation of Israel out of, out of Egypt, then all of a sudden they, they didn't have nowhere to go. They didn't know what to do when they were losing everything they identified with. But it, is, it was in that process that God calls us out where we are able to inherit new wineskin. Amen? Um, what is, so, so this honor is something that, that we offer the Lord through a life surrendered, through a life of devotion. And God had definitely been dealing um, with me for actually a while now, um, especially the last two weeks, with regards to honoring better. Okay, with regards to living a life that I know he's been speaking to me about in, in certain areas and being able to surrender that to the Lord and honor him in that. And sometimes those little particular things in our lives that we do, they're a big deal. You know, even the small, I think, I think Ali said that when she was up here, it's the small little things, you know, it's the silly things. I like when she said that, it's the silly things sometimes that would bring him greatest glory. But sometimes to him, it's, or I believe all the time to him, it's not silly. It's so important, it's so vital. So what has, uh, you know, God for me has, has been tugging in my heart to, to honor and, and live um, a, a more upright life and, uh, in certain areas, you know. Um, one of the things was, was my wife, you know, in, in showing her uh, the honor that she deserves more often, you know, in thanksgiving to her, you know, in, in, in the little requests that she had. You know, and I think as we go deeper into the Lord, as we walk closer to him, he starts challenging us with these little things that before we would probably cast off as an unimportant. But all of a sudden he starts tugging in and turning and twisting into us and saying, man, you want to satisfy me? I have some, I have another request for you. And see, there's a difference between being obedient to the Lord and living in obedience because we know it's the right thing to do and being obedient to God because we have fallen in love with him. Because when you are obedient to God and you live this life of being, you repented, you came to the Lord and, you're, and you're, you're learning of him and you're growing in knowledge of him, but you don't fall in love with him, there's no way you can sustain obedience. You won't be able to maintain obedience just through knowledge. You won't be able to maintain obedience just because you've repented. He calls us deeper now. So all of a sudden, the only way we can obey and actually feel satisfied in our obedience, because we are loving him, that's the only way. When we, I, don't, I don't believe it's falling in love with him, because I believe love is a choice. When we came to the Lord, I remember when I came to the Lord, I didn't come because, oh, uh, you know, I just had, I had I, there's nothing I can do about it. No, I was presented. You were presented with truth. And at that point, you made a decision to obey or not to obey. 
And if, and if we're trying to live this life, and, and all of us desire that, we all desire to live, to have meaning, right? To have purpose in what we live for. Everybody, I don't care who it is. Even the atheists, they proclaim that there's no purpose, but they seek purpose in, with, with, with no purpose. It's true. If, you know, if you've learned anything about an atheist, they, they see that there's no real purpose to life, but then they try to define things that happen with purpose. It makes no sense. They contradict themselves. So God is saying... I mean, sorry, um, there is, there is some, something that's tugging, that's, that's, that's kind of drawing something out of us that we desire to honor something. We desire to live for something, right, in truth. So you make that choice. You come to the Lord, and all of a sudden, as you come to know him, there's, there's a, a choice to love him. And through that choice, then we grow in love. We grow in our love. I grow in my love with my wife. I chose to love her. And so, therefore, what I do, I, 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 I obey. I try to be, well, I don't try to be. I am faithful to her. I live my life for her. And as I've gotten to know her, then that, that love has actually grown beyond what it started out with. But it was that choice that began it all. So, so honor is, is honoring God through obedience isn't, a life of obedience is a life of love so that we can obey, per, you know, correctly. Otherwise, we're just functioning. We're just moving because we say it's the right thing to do. So God is asking us is, if you want to live this new life of wineskin, if, if you want to take on a wineskin, okay, or, or a new life of identity, it's not something that happens because you know what the right thing is. It's because you have chosen to love the person or that he who which gives you greatest truth. That is what uh, God is asking of us. So I wanted to, you know, that's just a, a little, I guess, intro to what I want to take you guys, uh, which is Joshua chapter 9. Um, I want to talk to you guys about the story of Gibeon, okay, as we get into this whole idea of wineskin and what it's about and why he's asking us to, to take this on. Um, Joshua 9 verses 1 through 23, we're going to kind of review the story, I'll read through it, and then I want to go into what Gibeon represented. There was a, there was a people um, of Gibeon that, uh, that actually came to Israel, and, I, and I'm not going to say the whole story, but let's read it real quick. And um, Joshua 9 verses 1 through 23, it says, Now when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, the kings in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea, as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, they came together to wage war against Joshua and Israel. Verse 3, however, when the people of Gibeon, Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they resorted to a ruse. Okay, and that's basically, it was like they were covering up. They were, they were trying to be deceptive, okay? Okay, so they went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They put worn-out patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him, and the Israelites, we have come from a distant country, make a treaty with us. Okay, so they were, they were being deceiving 
because they heard what Israel was doing to the nations around them. Remember, Israel was moving into their promised land, right? Canaan. And so they were beginning to defeat nations and peoples, and they were going over them, they were battling with them. And these people were being destroyed. They were being killed. They were being, you know, just, just uh, taken out. And then all of a sudden, they hear about Israel and what they're doing. And so these people that live somewhere near, they dress themselves and put on old wineskin and old cloths so that they would seem as if they were coming from a distant land to just uh, come into this nation and receive help from them. Okay, so they were, they were posing as somebody false, okay, because they didn't want to be slaughtered. They didn't want to be killed, okay? So we're going to keep reading. It says, uh, verse 7, the Israelites said to the Hivites, but perhaps you live near us, uh, but perhaps you live near us, so how can we make a treaty with you? So they were asking, hey, they came to, the Israel, they came to Israel and they said, um, listen, we're coming from a far off land and... We, we just want, we've, we've been hearing what God is doing amongst the nation of Israel, and we want to reside with you all. We want to live here, and we need help. We've, we've traveled long, and our wineskins are old, our cloth, our sackcloths, and our, our, our garments are worn out. And so we need, and we ask for your help, that we, you would take us in, okay? And so um, they said, we are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, who are you, and where do you come from? Then verse 9, they answered, your servants have come from a distant country because of the, f the fame of, of the Lord your God. For we, heard, we have heard reports of him, all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who, who reigned in Astaroth. And our elders and all those living in the country said to us, take provisions for your journey. Go and meet them and say to them, we are your servants, make a treaty with us. Okay, this bread of ours was warm. Here we go. They were saying, look, this is, this is what we had when we came out. We, it was, we had bread, warm bread when we packed it at home on the days we left to come to you. But now see how dry and moldy it is. And check this out. And these wineskins that we, that we filled were new. But see how cracked they are. And our clothes and sandals are worn out by the very long journey. And let's, let's skip to 16. Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard they were neighbors. So that then they found out once they came into this land and they accepted them and they made a treaty with these people. It says, they heard that they were neighbors living near them. Verse 17. So the Israelites set out and on the third day came to their cities. Gibeon, Kephira, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Biroth and Kirith Jerim. But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath. So, so these people finally come into the land. Israel realizes, okay, wait a second. These people were lying to us all along. But, but they made an oath with them. And God will always honor a covenant. Okay? And then it says, um, 22. Then Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and said, Why did you deceive us by saying we live a long, a long way from you while actually you live near us? You are now under a curse. You will never be released from service as woodcutters and water. You, yeah, it says, you will never be released from service as woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. So from that moment on, you see that once they realized that these people came in deception, they couldn't do anything about the covenant that they made with them. 
But one thing that did happen is because they came falsely, they were cursed amongst the, the nation, amongst the people of Israel. And they were cursed to become servants, servants that carried, that cut wood and carried water and served the people and served uh, the, the temple, the altar. Okay, and so the first thing that came to my mind is, okay, wait a second. We are called to serve. We come and, and we come with old wineskins, but God does ask us to serve and to, to live as servants, right? I mean, that's what we do out of love for Christ. But the thing is this, is that God, yes, wants us to become servants, but he doesn't want us to stay as servants. See, the nation of Israel was living in dominion. They were overtaking nations. They were coming into their promised land. And what was God's intention? It was, it was, his intention is for us to rule, not to, just to serve. If we can come out of just simply being a servant and we can come into what God has intended us to live in, which is becoming rulers, then all of a sudden we can serve from a greater position. And so that's what God is asking us. He's not saying, listen, out of love and out of humility, become servants, you know, because God asks us to be humble. I think sometimes when we stay in this place where we call ourselves humble, I think that's just an excuse for us not to take responsibility of what he's called us to do, which is to become rulers so that we can serve from a greater position. We can be more effective and we can serve others much greater, you know, from a much greater uh, position if we come out of simply becoming servants and now becoming rulers, people who, who, who dominate, who live, and who have a say, who actually reach out and inf uh, impact those around us. That's how we serve, not just being servants, but becoming rulers. And then just like the, the people of Gibeon, sometimes we try to take this, these old wineskins, these burdens, these fears that, that we have, uh, this old identity, and we try to take it past God's intention or past the veil or past the uh, grace's doorstep. We try to take that past us and into what God is asking us, or God, you know, the new wineskin God is asking us to take on. He doesn't want you to take your old identity past the veil that he broke. He wants you to leave your old identity at Grace's doorstep so you can get past that veil, so that you can function in new wineskin, so that you can function in new identity. So, so I, I believe these people carrying all their burdens, carrying these false identities were trying to come in to Israel, but they were coming with the wrong intention. They didn't come to honor God. They didn't come because they wanted to serve Israel's God. No, they come because they didn't want to die. They didn't want to, to give up, you know, or die in the life they were living. So what happens is instead of dying to that, they lived. God spared them, but they were cursed. They maintained what they came in with, that old wineskin, that old identity they came in with, that's what they came in and they stayed with. They never inherited anything further. They never inherited new wineskin, new identity. They never had an opportunity to live as God intended it to, to live or as God could, could transform them into living. Amen? So, um, so we see that, that when we function in fear, when, when we come to the Lord and we are fearing, I, I see our fear before God or our conversations about 
you know, um, our conversations about our burdens and, and the things that we struggle with, sometimes that fear is a sign of our pride. You know, if we are unwilling to let go of our past or, or the things that we're struggling with, all of a sudden it becomes something prideful, not something that, that we, are, we are humbled by. It's all of a sudden, if we hold on to fear, we're saying that if I can't do it, then nobody can, not even God. And, and, and that's prideful. You can't live in fear. When we come to the Lord, we let go of that fear because we know that although we aren't able, he is totally capable. And, he, and, he, and he's the one that um, takes our lives. He's the one that gives us this new wineskin and grace to be able to live that lifestyle. Amen? Um, so Gibeon, Gibeon was cursed. They lived in the shadow of those that lived in promise. Nevertheless, God did have mercy on them. And there was a moment where um, Saul actually um, killed some of these Gibeonites because he wanted to annihilate them from the nation of Israel. And God actually protected them. And, um, and, then, and then what happened is that because Saul tried to annihilate these people that were actually under covenant, God went back and killed some of Saul's descendants. So I want, I want you guys to see this. Old and new wineskin. It's not about um, salvation. You can, you can stay in old wineskin as far as he stayed in. They, they knew a lot about the Lord. They were, they were living the, their, their lives trying to please the Lord. And yes, they knew about him. And, and it was honorable. But the problem is that God is calling us out of that. He's doing something new in this place. And sometimes if, or if we come in here and we don't, uh, we're not able to inherit that, we're not able to receive that, then some of us in here, it's gonna, it would actually hurt us to maintain our old wineskins. If we can't inherit new identity, then all of a sudden what happens is that the new wine hurts us instead of helps us, okay? Um, and uh, I wanted to talk to you just really quickly about Mark 14.3. Mark 14.3, let's just go there real quick. Um, and it's the story of, it's the story of the woman with the oil that poured it on Jesus' head. Let's go there real quick. Mark 14. It says like this, Mark 14, 3. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and, and, the, chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, and they said, or the people may riot. Verse 3, while he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. And then verse 4, some of, these, of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. And then in verse 6 it says, Jesus said, leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help, uh, and, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare perfume, uh, to prepare for my burial. 
Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This, uh, this story of the woman that came to him, and we've heard it many times. We've heard um, how she poured this valuable oil over her head. But what struck me this time when I was reading it wasn't so much what she poured out. And I think it was more than simply oil that she poured on his head. I think it's what she did with the flask. Um, it says that she broke the flask. And I think that's much more significant than just pouring oil out. Because the oil was, yeah, it was her livelihood. Okay, that's what she used to trade, to buy. Okay, whatever oil she had in there. But the flask represented her identity. It represented what she had, standards of living, like what we value, things that she has. And she broke that flask. And that, I think, was a greater act of worship than oil. Because what that was telling everybody is this thing that she held in her hand that she had of great value, she didn't want any hope in this anymore. She grabbed the flask and she broke the flask before them all and she poured the oil out. But she says, listen, I, I found truth now. I've walked this life. I've lived this life. I've, I've, I have these standards that I've lived by and this is what I hold value in. This is my worth. But I don't want anything. I don't want any opportunity to be able to go back to what I've hoped for in the past. In fact, what I want to do is I want to break it so there's no opportunity for me to go back to that because I found my hope. I found that which now I can pour all my oil, which represents, you know, my, my, my lifestyle and everything that I identify with. And she, so she broke it. So now all she wanted to do is be able to hope in that one person that, that she found truth in. And, and so breaking the flask was more than, I think, valuable than just simply pouring oil out. If she still had that flask, she could have received more oil later on anyways. But breaking the flask gave her no hope for anything else. So um, I, I think that's what God is asking us. He's, he's saying, guys, if we want to come into new wineskin, if we want to inherit new identity, the first thing you have to do is not hold on to those things that you put your, placed your hope in. He wants you to break it so that there's no way you can go back. Now, all of a sudden, there's only one hope that you have standing before you. And it's Christ. It's Jesus. It's his truth. The reason he, I believe, the reason Jesus said that this act would become legacy was not because she found something of greater value. She held something of great value in her hand. But it's not because she saw Jesus and all of a sudden she saw something of greater value. I don't think it's that. I think it's because she chose to be held by he who defined her worth. Let's say that again. I don't think that uh, her act was something that later on in the verse you see where it says, from now on, um, this is something that will be heard you know, throughout time of this act that this lady did. I don't think that the act became a legacy because she found something of greater value. I don't think it was simply that she found something of greater value. I think it's because she chose to be held by him, by he who defined her worth. If we find our worth in Christ, if we find that there's nothing else that we can hold on to, that we desire to hold on to, then all of a sudden, 
we are defined by who he is and his intention for our lives. It's not, we don't honor God um, with what we're trying to achieve. The, the way that we are able to honor God through our lifestyles of obedience can only be sustained in love. And God is calling us into love. God is calling us uh, to know him more to surrender to him more. It's, it's, it's something that we've continued to hear over and over in this place. Um, it's in a lifestyle surrender to the Lord in love is, is only achieved when we come and we, we realize that what we've held this whole time, what we've valued means nothing if we don't have that one truth that we heard standing before us. If we don't grab truths and we say, wow, man, if that is true, then I, that's the place that I have to go. That's the direction I have to take. I can't keep looking to the side when what's true right before me is changing and transforming the very way I think. It's giving me something else that I've never thought before. It's, it's, it's transforming my life from the inside out. God is asking us. So I, I didn't have a, a whole lot that I wanted to share. Guys, I, this message that I came today with, this uh, word... I know it doesn't sound like a preaching. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a, a preaching that, and I knew it wasn't, that was going to cause you guys to, to get excited about. Because what I'm telling you right now is not a preaching that I made. This is not a preaching that I created for you. This is my conversations with the Lord. God asked me to honor him and to take on a new wineskin. To not continue to live my life in a way that that I just kind of put things off because I think they might be unimportant. God was speaking to me in very particular ways and saying, until you are able to receive this new wineskin, until you start inheriting the wineskin that I've created for you, you can sing all you want, you can, you can, you can speak all you want, but honor won't be found in that with me. You might move people, but you'll never move me. And so... So this that I'm sharing with you is my conversation with the Lord. I, I never came in into this uh, to to this message that that Rigo asked me to share, um, trying to uh, establish a certain point for you guys to see. I want you guys to see somebody that is desiring to lose their identity, so that they can honor God correctly. Somebody that can surrender to the Lord and do it in a way that isn't, that doesn't hurt me. It's not a chore to honor God. It's not a chore to obey God. You see, now all of a sudden, it might be difficult at times. We, we have a hard time something, sometimes when we hear that truth, right? It's a hard thing to hear. But all of a sudden, when we're in love with Christ, it's not something that we it's a chore for us. It's not work for us. All of a sudden, we hear that truth. It's difficult, but we find joy when we can surrender that to the Lord. So I'm going to ask the, the music ministry to come up. Um, from the moment we were singing all those songs, I really felt uh, a reverence before my God um, just to come closer to him. You know, Max, I don't know if you guys remember Pastor Max, when he came over here, he shared about Gideon. And God called him Gideon, mighty warrior. And Gideon, Gideon didn't know what to do with that. 
with that name. But when he took it on, despite him not understanding what that name meant, when he took that name on, he was able to accomplish things that he would have never been able to accomplish alone. In fact, defeating nations with only 300 people. And then Regal has been speaking about Barnabas and how Barnabas seems so insignificant when we look at all the other apostles. He's barely spoken about Barnabas. Who's Barnabas? But his name was Encourage Her. And when he took that name on, when he, when he heard what his name represented and he knew how he can function worshiping the Lord, glorifying God and honoring God with the name that he had, then he was then he was living a life that was very impactful, saving people and, and transforming lives around him. And God has given you guys a name. It, it, we can stay here, we can stay here for days speaking about the names that God has given his people. Moses, uh, Abraham, Jacob. I mean, inheriting new names where, where he took them, taking them into the wilderness. All these people that inherited new names, inherited new identity, and as a result, functioned in new wineskin. If we desire, if we desire to go past just repentance, if we desire just to go past um, responding in obedience, then all of a sudden we're starting to, we're going to have conversations about devotion. We're going to have conversations about intimacy. We're going to have conversations about conceiving something that we could have never conceived if we just lived our lives trying not to sin anymore. When sin, when, when you come to the Lord and you become devoted to the Lord in intimacy, sin takes on another name in your life and it constantly transforms. But if your conversations continue to be about what you struggle with, you're never going to allow yourself or you're never going to allow God to show him the great power that he has when, with the name he has prepared for you. Um, there's a lot more. I, I wanted to make this message real small and simple. There's a lot more when it comes to wineskins. But I, I just wanted to spend this moment talking about us accepting a new identity letting go of ours, and actually taking on or beginning to inherit new wineskins. We want to receive new wine. We want for wine to flow out of us. But if that's our desire, then we're desiring inferior things. I'm going to say that again. God has new wine for us. God wants to pour into us new wine. But if we desire to receive the wine without allowing ourselves to inherit new wineskin, we desire something in fear. Because to God, what's, in, what's superior is that you take on his character, that you take on his image, his likeness. And then what, what happens is he pours into you. It's not our responsibility. Listen, it's not our responsibility to pour out wine. It's not our responsibility to receive that wine. I'm going to clarify this. It's not our responsibility to pour it out. It's not our response. It's our responsibility to take on the character, the likeness, and the image of Christ so that he would be able to pour in the wine. Wine is a result 
of the life that we've established in him. Honor, living a life of honor is a result of a life established in devotion. Honor is not something you do. Honor is where you are. It's where you've established yourself. When you live a life devoted, when you live a life that, that flows out of you because of love, all of a sudden, everything you do honors God. It's not something you try to attempt. It's the wineskin that you take on. If you say yes to wineskin, if you say yes to no limits to what he can do in your life, in your mind, in your heart, in your job, in your laziness, in the things that you, that you cast aside, if you say yes to anything he speaks to your heart, then you're ready, then you're ready to inherit new wineskin so then you can really honor Christ. Amen, let's stand. When you come to the Lord and you and you desire to surrender to him and he starts speaking to your heart and you off you let go of that old identity and and that old wineskin and you say Lord I want what you have for me I want the, I want to inherit the name that you have for me I want to walk in new wineskin when you when you do that Lord, just stop me right now. Hmm. Then all of a sudden the practical becomes spiritual. The little things that we that we don't look into lifestyles that we've chosen to live, the standards we live by, change. Lord, let us, let us come into a love relationship with you first, Lord. Let us know you. Let us take on this new wineskin, Father God. Let go of the old, Father God, that we would stop posing under false identity, Lord.
this silence makes you uncomfortable, that's good. Because if you need something to distract you right now, there's the very problem. Sometimes we want to avoid the very things that God is speaking to our hearts with noise or with the next song when God is asking you to speak to him. Lord, let us identify ourselves in you, Lord. Let us give ourselves, Lord, completely and wholly to you, Lord. Let us not walk in fear, Lord Jesus. Let us not walk in the fear that keeps us, Lord, from letting go of our wineskins, Lord. Let, it, let not that fear, Lord, that pride, Father God, that says that if I can't, then you can't either, Lord. Let us, let us just drop that, Lord, as we confront you, Lord, as we come near to you, that we can leave it at the, at the grace's doorstep, Lord. That we can walk past that veil, Lord. Past that veil without those burdens and taking those identities with us, Lord, that we can surrender them to you, Lord, Father God. That we can walk as intended, Lord Jesus. You never wanted to break communion with us, Lord. I pray, Father, that we can come back, that we can return, Lord Jesus. That we can return to intentions, Jesus. Living, Lord, Father God, by your side, Lord. Living in communion, Jesus. Lord, that it's not something we have to strive for. It's not, Lord, how we become perfect, then we come to you. No, Lord Jesus, it's when we surrender and we fall completely in love with you that we desire nothing that to be next to you, Lord, and we can find that you see us perfectly, Lord Jesus, through your Son, Lord Jesus. Call us past repentance, Lord. Call us into relationship, Jesus. Call us past just being engaged, Lord. Allow us to receive you, Lord, that we would be married, Lord, that we would be called beloved, that we would be called bride, Thank you, Lord Jesus. As the music ministry just sings a song over us, I just want just to spend this time just to... If this word has spoken to you, if, if you're understanding what taking on new wineskin is and what it means for you, let's just take a moment. Let's surrender that identity, our old identity, our old wineskin to the Lord and let's allow him to give us so that we can inherit this new wineskin.